welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. A lot of pride in chanting that we are Penn State, uh, but it's it's feeling hard at this point in the season to feel super excited about it, bro. Are, are we going to be able to take the turn and think about this Maryland game today? Do you think you can you think you can do that? Um, I can do it. I can do it. Okay, because I'm sure I'll still bring up some stuff. <laughs> but I can turn the page to find more stuff on the, this other page. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, uh, I, but I don't know if you guys know this. We we record both of these episodes on the same day, and so we've just pressed pause on the record. Uh, just finishing up that Indiana game, and there's still some heated emotion. My adrenaline happening. is still angry. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Wait, and I still have. You just said well, my adrenaline is still angry. Correct. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you have angry adrenaline. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, 100%. Oh, man. It's making me want to punch stuff. Uh. <laughs> All right? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I mean, dude, how annoying was that game to watch? <laughs> it was so annoying. We, okay. had to, we just had to talk about it again. And yeah. um, hopefully, you know, we were looking for a palate cleanser last game, and we didn't get it. We just got, we just got swampy, stuck in the muck frustration and um maybe maybe this maryland game will give us that we're going to talk about that maryland game um uh, we also have uh, a couple of mailbag entries so we're going to do that and then we'll finish up with by the numbers joel bettner is going to be here again to take us through that um before we get into it guys want to remind you please subscribe uh, follow the podcast, share it with your Penn State friends. If if you're frothing and have no one to froth with, hey, there probably is someone else who's in that same boat. Share the podcast with them, you know, help a friend out. Um, write a review, give us a rating, send an email to the mailbag, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And we're going to go ahead and open that mailbag right now. Mailbag time. couple of mailbag entries. Um, this is by a friend of the podcast, a uh, true friend of the podcast, not Pat Narduzzi. Uh, this is Shane Great Dowd. friend of the podcast, <laughs> Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> Uh, Shane, um, I don't think there's a question here, just a couple of comments. Okay. And so we're going to get your take on it. And unfortunately with how worked up you are already, I'm not sure this is going to help your mood because he has a couple of comments about the Indiana game and the subject is unlocking the deep ball. All right. And he starts by saying, Hey gents, I had the quote privilege of watching the game in person on Saturday. And let me just say briefly, um, Eileen and Angelina were out of town, bro. And I thought for a half a second about going up to watch the game. And let me tell you, I am so glad that I didn't, <laughs> but Jane, but Shane apparently was there in person. Uh, sorry for that, Shane. Um, and he, so he has some observations about that experience. He says, well, the defense didn't have a great day. They do get a mulligan. In my opinion, what I did witness which it took me some time to uh, and research to confirm was that the only pass interference call to go Penn State's way this season in Big Ten conference play was this past weekend. By comparison, Illinois has three 
PI calls go their way. Ohio State has had four. And this is the downside of not, quote, chucking it deep. By settling by settling for uh, short passes, you aren't placing any stress on the cornerbacks. And while it doesn't happen all the time, sometimes you get a defensive back out of position and you can pick up a free 15 yards. However, you miss 100% of those opportunities that you don't take. And he has some more things to say, but I just want to get your take on that. Well, frankly, I... I mean, it's it's not wrong. It's true that that like if you're not taking shots down the field, you are less likely to get pass interference calls. But to 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 think of that in a way as like being, um, you know, strategic, I don't I don't know how like you you chalk that up. Strategery wise, you know, I I mean, here's what I interpret it. I interpret it as like you're not only missing the chance to complete those passes, you're also missing the chance to get some free yards. Yeah, and- I, I get it. I, I do understand that, but but I don't think you're throwing it down the field with that aspect of it truly factored in from a from a coaching standpoint. Now, at the but, end but of it's games. Like, it, his point is, I think, not not only that you're missing the yards, but you're not stressing the defense. You're not stressing the secondary. I'm in an agree. I'm in absolute agreement with that. Absolutely, that that you're not stressing the defense. I absolutely think we need to do to throw the ball down the field more. I absolutely think that it stresses the defense. I absolutely think that th- that'll help alleviate some of the problems in the run game. At this point, at this point, our run game is not setting up our pass game, and our pass game is absolutely not setting up our run game. And we actually may need the past game to set up a run game moving forward because we are just at best one dimensional right now at best. Yeah. So he says, um, now moving on, he says, additionally, watching these games on TV, you can tell that they are struggling on offense. However, watching them live, I was surprised to feel like there were missed opportunities not seen on TV due to the condensed picture. First drew missed a handful of open or could be thrown open receivers, especially early in the game. And secondly, in addition to KLS, uh, Malik McLean was getting some really good separation today. Outside of the missed connections with Drew, he was behind the defense a few times, but he yeah. didn't get an opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I saw that t- as well. Yeah, he was McLean looked like he was getting himself open, and Drew just missed him. And, and quite, and I'm t- not to totally cut you off, but I uh, even even on the fourth and two pass our first touchdown to um Khalil Dinkins I mean Khalil Dinkins was open in, in was nearly open like 20 seconds nearly immediately and and Drew was almost like gonna miss potentially I mean he was still open like big time when he made the throw but he could have made that pass two seconds earlier and been, been there would have been no question but like he didn't see him till it was too late so there's there's a fundamental problem in how Drew is now seeing the field compared to the first five games or so yeah. um yeah, absolutely. He feels that way. And and he says, um, that to emphasize that, he concludes by saying, Drew needs to take, take some shots. He was entirely too tentative pulling the trigger on downfield throws, which could be threaded early. I do think he's partially to blame for these missed connections, but I wonder with a flour- floundering running game, why we haven't seen more wide receiver bubble screens in order to get players like Kendra Lambert-Smith in space. Yeah, it really does feel like they're coaching this check down thing into him. Um, and and at, at a certain point, it's like hindering his development as a freaking quarterback. I mean, five star. Five, it, like, if anything, Sean Clifford should have been the guy you developed the check down Charlie offense t- 
to tailor made for him. Yeah, because he's so um, you know egregious. He and, was one of the worst. He was maybe the worst downfield passer in college football last year, and now. We don't even have a quarterback that we're allowing or seemingly allowing to throw down the field at all. Um, it's like you and they, pra- they praised him in the media for these. Ch- hey, you you spent a, a whole you know quarterback's lifetime trying to coach check check downs into him, and they yeah, were praising he, him for obviously being, he's picked up on that theme a little too it's much. It's stunting like, him. It's yeah. absolutely let's, stunting let's hope, him. Let's hope he got a taste of glory um, with that game winner, and maybe we'll see a little bit different approach this year. I um, mean, excuse me, this week. But um, anyway, uh, Shane, thanks for um, sending us those comments, especially the uh, perspective for the in-game. Um, sorry you had to sit through that. And um, yeah, thanks for writing in. And now, um, bro, I think you've got uh, a mailbag entry from someone who reached out to you directly. So um, this is from Robin. Why don't you read that off? Yeah. So we got um, a not first time listener, but certainly first time caller, so to speak. Um, Robin, longtime listener of the pod, back dating to season one. She's actually a friend of mine. She is the managing editor at the Penn Stater. She is an alum alum of Penn State herself, um, and she wrote to me personally um, after we had made some Star Wars references in the pre-Ohio State episode. (laughs) All right? Okay. Okay, so here we go. Robin says, when I was listening to the two of you throw around all those Star Wars references and analogies in the Ohio State Look Ahead episode, I wondered if either of you could name the former Penn State athlete who has starred in multiple Star Wars movies, as well as the character that they played. Andy, I know you're a Star Wars fan. Wow. I know you're a Star Wars fan, right? You like, you really like the Star Wars universe. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm not a super fan. You know, like I I don't go to the conferences, but yeah. I'm, I, (laughs) listen, I consider myself a Star Trek super fan and I don't go to the conferences. Fair enough. All right. So, um, I, I gotta say, I, like, I, I really, I don't know this. Like I know for Star Trek, Jonathan Frakes, who is uh, you know number one, um, yeah. you know Riker, number one Will in Riker. Star Trek, Real, Will, yeah, Will Riker. Riker. Yeah, and, and um, so interesting. I know enough, he's a Penn Stater. I know that, but that's not about Star Trek. Did it's we about ever Star Wars? Did we ever mention how, how how number one is relates to our family? How Jonathan Frakes relates to our family? Did we ever mention that? In, no. Okay. Well, are we going to go on this side trail? We might as well, right real now? quick. We real quick. <laughs> Robin, we'll get to your question, you know, answering the question. <laughs> really? Yeah. Jonathan Frakes, who, from the Next Generation Star Trek, was uh, the right-hand man of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart. So his character's name was number one, and Jonathan Frakes was a film major at Penn State University, and our father was also a film major at the same exact time as Jonathan Frakes. They graduated together from Penn State's film school, and... Our father's last name, and our last name is Gathman, G-A-T-H-M-A-N. And Jonathan Frakes' last name is Frakes, F-R-A-K-E-S. And because of his character title, number one, alphabetically, they my, our dad graduated alphabetically after number one. And dad always used to say, I graduated right after number one and from Penn State Film School. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wow. so that's the Star Trek world. <laughs> Let's go back to the Star Wars world. And this athlete, Penn State athlete, who has starred in multiple Star Wars films, is also a Penn State film major. Interesting. That- I, I have no idea who this is. Uh, I wish I did, and I'm excited to learn. Um, did did we get a, a 
an answer? Like, are I've we just supposed to answer. guess? I've, you ha- I, listen, you I didn't know it. I had to look it up. Yeah. But okay. I knew you wouldn't know it, so I had to ask it to you on uh-huh. air here. Okay. So uh, a guy named, um, <laughs> I, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Junas Suatamo, who is from Finland, um, he, <laughs> he actually started playing the stunt double um, for aging actor Peter Mayhew, who plays Chewbacca, really? and, no and, the, and in the Force Awakens, uh, uh, this uh, Junus uh, Suatamo um, was his body double, and um, the actor P- Peter Mayhew, who played him, played Chewbacca in all the previous Star Wars movies, all of them. He, he was seven foot three, um, and his knees started becoming a problem for him and was basically was uh, ridden to a lived in a wheelchair even during the force awakens he was you know in, in a wheelchair um and then after force awakens uh this you know penn state alum who played basketball at penn state uh in the mid 2000s he played him in a star wars the last jedi solo a star wars story star wars the rise of skywalker and he also um he will make his first non-chewbacca appearance in the franchise playing kalnaka in the acolyte which is a wookie jedi who is a wookie jedi in the high republic era (laughs) <laughs> so wow. we, we've got a bona fide Star Wars superstar who went through Penn State Film School and played basketball. Um, I think you're burying the the headline here, which is uh, Chewbacca is a Penn State alum. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Chewbacca 2.0 is a Penn State alum. I thought, alum. but just for the record, the way it was set up, I thought she was saying there was a, a Penn State football player. I said athlete. I know she didn't. I, I know, said I know. athlete. I even but almost like, emphasized it when I said it. Because like I have in my mind, I've got a good thirty plus years, forty plus year, forty or so years of like Penn State football players in my mind of yeah. like who could it be, and I I was I was never going to find it because yeah I just I think we've talked about this, but I do not I do not follow Penn State basketball. Oh really? And yeah. Joel Joel on the side here in the chat says Penn State has a basketball team, and you <laughs> exactly. guys are horrible fans, horrible Penn State fans. <laughs> We're not going to get into it. This Penn podcast State fans <laughs> not supporting. Penn State athletics across the board. Um, I, again, I, I feel like we've been over this before, but I, the 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 major problem with Penn State um, basketball, in my mind, besides the fact that they don't win enough, is that they moved the games out of Rec Hall to the the worst <laughs> arena ever built, Bryce Jordan Center. I know it was a big deal to actually get a you know an arena of that caliber at Penn State, but it just it totally deflated. I mean, going to play basketball at Penn State before. Bryce Jordan was like going to Kinnick to play football. It's like you may not be the flashiest team, but you know you were really in for it when you went into Rec Hall, and you know that just completely deflated that energy uh, when moving over to Bryce Jordan. But um, the, hey, the that's B- pretty the BJC cool. BJC is is a yawner of a venue for sure. It's no fun to, to watch a game. Yeah. There hey, thanks for writing in, Robin. Yeah, um, Robin. I I enjoyed asking that to my brother, and I enjoyed telling uh, the little um, sidebar about our father and Star Trek along with it. We're a bunch of sci-fi nerds over here. That's for sure. Speak for yourself. I no, am. Just kidding. I am. <laughs> and fantasy nerds. We're both. Big time fantasy nerds on top. And he actually watches Star Wars cartoon TV series. 
<laughs> You're like outing me? Yeah, I just outed you. <laughs> uh, I think Clone Wars and um, <laughs> yes, and go. Rebels. That's a they're they're good shows. Uh, Listen, not all of them, I, it, but it's... you you get a pass because at the time you you had like a, a young a young son who was you know watching those with you, and and I get it. So uh, I actually quite like them, but uh, we have derailed. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome thank to you, the Robin. Show. For Welcome to the show. Welcome to the derailed down. elements of the of the Blue and White Brothers. Uh, it's fun to learn about some interesting Penn State trivia. Robin, thanks for writing in. Um, don't be a stranger. We love getting, you know, repeat offenders into the mailbag. Shane, obviously, you're one of them, too. Uh, appreciate all you writing in. Yeah, thanks. That'll that'll do it for the mailbag. And let's take a turn and, and look at that Maryland game. We were looking for a get-right game last week. Is this going to be the week, or is this the week that we're going to find more misery? Um, got to play the game to find out. Uh, we've got, uh, hey, guess what, bro? We don't have a noon game this week. They are getting old. I am sick of these noon, noon kickoffs. They honestly... It has not worked out in our favor, <laughs> and, I'm, and I've no. had it. 3.30 and, and prime time feels like the right times for Penn State to be playing football, and thanks to Fox, we haven't been able to do it too much this year in our biggest Yeah, game. I think this is um, honestly a pretty important matchup, um, and so it is a 3.30 game. It's on Fox. Um, well, here's here's the interesting aspect of, of uh, like, we're getting a 3.30 game, but but... Are all these noon and 11 a.m. kickoffs, are they going to help us when it comes Michigan time when we play at noon at home in the biggest Maybe. game in the biggest game of the year at Beaver Stadium? Maybe. This Indiana game wasn't a great sign. Let's go back and talk about the Indiana game a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry. Uh, well, 3.30. Uh, and by the way, isn't this a 3.30 on Fox? Yes. How annoying. I know, right? They wait until we have, you know, a Maryland matchup at home to go 3.30. Oh, gosh. Actually, and it's at Maryland. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so in College Park uh, right now, looking to be a beautiful day, 66 degrees, mostly sunny, light winds. Um, and uh, hey, you know, Maryland, th- what's interesting is... Um, with this series, um, Penn State has a very long history with Maryland. Um, overall, we've played them 46 times. Our our overall, overall record is 42-3-1. and one. Um, But because this is the end of the Big Ten East, after having played Maryland every year for the last 10 years... Um, you know, we're going to go back to playing them only occasionally. Now, we will play them at home next year, but we're not going to play them in College Park again until 2026. So um, just another one of those uh, fallout things from um, the, the Big Ten East going away. Um, now I, I mentioned um, that that we've only lost three times in this series. Um, our record at College Park, also very good, 18-1-1. and one. Yeah. All right. Um, our, our we've first we've game, seen one of those wins in, in College Park together. Uh, we have. And a, it was a, a pretty a darn good win. Rubbing uh, is like 53 or 63 to like 
seven or nothing or something crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, Maryland fans were gone by the uh, fourth quarter. It, it was, was a Penn State, Penn State stadium at that point <laughs> yeah. for sure. It was awesome. Um, I personally, I would love to have a game like that um, for this one. Um, I think that was a three thirty game. Come to think of it, because um, it was getting kind of uh, dark by the by the end. By the, yeah. by the end. Um, but um, our first game in the series was a forty five to nothing victory in nineteen forty three. Um, we played Maryland nearly every year between 1960 and 1993 when Penn State joined the Big Ten. Um, Previous loss um, during that era uh, was 1961. That was our only loss in that whole stretch. Um, But then when Maryland joined the Big Ten in 2014, um, the same year that James Franklin was coach at Penn State, became coach at Penn State, um, we've lost... Twice in that span, we're eight and two in our last ten matchups against Maryland. I, I, that's that, that to me, like the, Maryland is the is like an Indiana. Like we shouldn't have, they, we should not have two losses in ten years to Maryland. We shouldn't. It's just that's a bad. That's bad. That goes to show you, like, and, I don't and know. Strangely enough, both of those were in Beaver Stadium. Yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> Franklin has has honestly doesn't have like a, an impeccable home record. By any stretch, he, I mean Beaver Stadium does seem to be a pretty strong home field advantage, but it's not, you know, because uh, the crowd is great almost every time. So it's not, it's not a gimme from the crowd. It's but, not a gimme by any but means. Franklin certainly hasn't, you know, used that to his extreme advantage in some of these games where we're clearly the better team. Well, you know, um, yeah, you talk about eight and two is not the kind of record you won over the last. 10 years, but Maryland is not satisfied with, with their performance as a, as a, you know, football team over the last couple decades. And in fact, you know, there was an era in the uh, early two thousands where you had Ralph Friedgen coaching there and he, he actually got some success, but it wasn't enough. And this is interesting, bro. An example of a coach that is moving you in the right direction, but you're not satisfied with how quickly it's happening. Since they let Ralph Friedgen go, they really haven't come close to the kind of um, consistency that they had under under him. Um, by the way, remember James Franklin coached for Maryland under he was the offensive coordinator under Ralph Regan. Um, and um, you know when they let Ralph Regan grow, they they brought in a, a bunch of different guys. Um, the latest is Mike Loxley. All right, he has been there um, at Maryland since uh, 2018. All right. Um, excuse me, 2019 was his first season. 2018 was when they fired Randy Edsel. I don't know if you remember, um, they had one of their players die of heat stroke in the preseason that year. They fired Edsel midway through the season. Um, the player's name was Jordan McNair, and it's still a very big deal um, for the Maryland team, remembering Jordan McNair. Um, so they hired Mike Lox- Loxley in 2019. Coming into the season, bro, he was... 21 wins, 23 losses. That was his record. So a losing record as head coach of Maryland, but moving kind of sort of in the right direction over the last few seasons. Last year, they were seven and five, made a bowl game. They beat NC State in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. But outside of last season, they they still haven't had a whole lot of success, even under Loxley. They thought he was going to be the guy. And he brought with him a, a pretty good quarterback who we're going to talk about, um, Talia Tagovailoa. Uh, and between Mike Loxley and Talia, they thought maybe this was going to be the era that will put Maryland over the top, but they just they just haven't done it. 
<laughs> you know, um, and um, including this season, like there was a lot of hype for Maryland going into the season. I think we may have talked about it in the preseason where they're talking about Maryland as like maybe competing for that number three spot in the conference. And I don't know about you, bro, but I, I was not pleased with the, you know, sports journalism world thinking that Maryland was going to be, you know, that kind of a team. But uh, you know what? They started out 5-0 and this year, and it seemed like up to the first half of that Ohio State game where they were leading going into the locker room, like maybe Maryland really is a, a good team. And since that halftime break, Ohio State came out, they, they basically swatted Maryland away, and then they went and dropped their next two games. They lost to Illinois at home 27-24. Talk about a hangover game after that Ohio State game. Um, but then this past week, we already talked about it. They lost to Northwestern away 33-27, to and now they're riding a three-game losing streak. And, um, you know, you just got to say like Maryland for all of their efforts to get up into the next tier of college football, the next tier of the big 10, um, they've been swinging and missing for the last couple of years. And this year at this point seems like it's no different. <laughs> yeah. Well, even like last year, you know, Ohio, excuse me, uh, Maryland kind of like took it to Michigan in a, in a pretty competitive game. And then even after they lost to, to us uh, last year, 30 to nothing, they had a pretty competitive game against Ohio State. Uh, you know, so they were they were um, leading at half uh, at home against Ohio State last year. So they're just like, to me, you know, as much as we're like, oh, Franklin is always a bridesmaid, never a bride uh, with, with Penn State and how we've been perceived against the, you know, the, the best teams in our division and in our conference, Michigan and Ohio State. Like, we just can't get over that hump to be elite. Well, Ohio, uh, Maryland can't get over their hump to be like where we are in the conference. You know what I, I mean? mean? Not only can't they get over the hump, they're they're pretty far away from it. In fact, last year was their first winning record since 2014. Yeah, aside from uh, what was the pandemic year? Was it was no? That, they, that, they even then, yeah, they beat us that year, but right. they only had two wins out of their five games. Okay, right, right, right. So yeah, so even including that year, now look, they went, they were six and six in 2021. They went to the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, and they they beat Virginia Tech in the pinstripe bowl. So I guess they were seven and six that year. But like regular season, last year was the gotcha. first year since 2014 yeah. that they that they finished with a winning record uh in the regular season. So well Maryland fans like leading into this year, so so they were seven and five last year, and they were like, Oh, you know, some people some outlets were saying, Oh, Maryland could potentially beat one of the big three and thinking that they were gonna beat us. Now that's to be, you know, seen whether or not that's we'll find out. We'll right? find out. But like, you know, this three game losing streak is not a good, like, you know, indicator of what this team, you know, what they could do moving forward. They, I, I mean, mean, Illinois and Northwestern, two of the, you know, most, you know, kind of pathetic teams in the Big Ten this year. Actually, Northwestern, thanks to Maryland, it seems to be kind of finding their way out of the basement a little bit. But still, like, if. 
you know, I mean, Penn State had difficult games against both of those teams, but it was never really close. Okay, so let's look at it this way. You know, since 2019, since Mike Loxley's been the coach there, he hasn't, minus the COVID year where they canceled lots of games and they didn't have the opportunity to do what I'm about to tell you, is they have, there hasn't been a single season they haven't had at least one three-game losing streak, and they probably would have had a wow. three-game losing streak during COVID if they, if the, <laughs> they had know, played a few more games. Yeah, if the games hadn't been canceled. In his first season... They went. Um, they had only had three wins. They had. They, they lost their remaining seven games of that season. That's in year one. Then, of course, the COVID year where they they were uh, th- uh, two and three. So they they finished the season on a two game losing streak, and they they had to cancel games against Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan and. Uh, yeah, and so they they you know they they canceled several games against teams that they would they lo- would have lost to in my opinion, and then in 2021, two separate three game losing skids. You know, granted those were those four of those losses in 2021 were against top ten teams: Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. At least top ten at the time, and then last year. They had uh, they had a, a run it, it, towards the end of the season where they lost to Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State all in a row and closed out the season with a win against Rutgers. But so they, you know, Franklin, well, here, here, kind ahead. of here's what I would say about that is like, you know, yes, they're losing games against teams that are better than them, mm-hmm. but they're also losing teams that are ostensibly worse than them. And that seems to be Maryland's big problem is that they can't, not only can they not win against the elite teams of the conference, but they also are losing to teams that are on the lower tier of the conference and they're doing it regularly. Here's another way to look at it. Um, Maryland's best year in the last 10 years is equivalent to Penn State's worst year in the last 10 years. In fact, right. it's worse than our worst year in the last 10 years. And what I, uh, and that's what I'm saying is they are incapable of getting over the hump to be to get at least on our level. Even for one season. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and, Not, and and Maryland fans coming into this year was they were thinking was the maybe they were going to supplant at least Penn State in that tier where we stand alone in not just our division but in the conference where we're like just a cut below the the the, the top two and I think that's fair to say if you're a Penn State fan or not a Penn State fan we're just not quite there yet. I mean we're ragging on Maryland a lot right now but like the truth is Penn State is also coming off of a loss and a near loss. These are two teams that are really not playing up to their potential and um, I think one of the interesting kind of storylines of the game is you know will either of these teams kind of be able to pull themselves out of their dive? You know will it will it be two teams playing great and so it's a real battle? Will will one team turn it around and the other one not and so you know one of them like dominates the other which you know again I think if if Maryland plays their best game and Penn State plays like they did last week it could be a really ugly game you know or will both teams play terribly and it'll be like a fight to the bottom like you know who who's going to lose the game you know definitively um it, it's just it'll be interesting kind of watch how well these teams are playing once the you know the first kickoff uh, happens. So uh, I don't know that. Truthfully, I'm not sure that I have any sense of you know other than how Penn State finished that Indiana game. I don't have a great sense of one or other of these teams kind of being in a position to turn it around. Well, turning it around, I don't think the I don't think either of these teams need to quote unquote turn it around. Like the, it, it, 
they might not be turning it around to win this game. Like it might not be an indication of turning around whichever team wins this game. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. But here's here's kind of where I think, you know, like Penn State's not not as bad as Maryland. They're, we're not. Now we might be worse in some areas, like offensively speaking. Um, but defensively, Penn State still is a an elite cut above Maryland. Absolutely. Like with like without question. And yeah, I mean, even with those two lapses against Indiana, we were still able to kind of turn it on at the end and get the stop that we needed. I mean, we still kind of dominated Indiana defensively in, in many different um, areas of the game outside of those lapses. So let's, let's real quick, just, you know, before we start diving into some, some of the particulars about Maryland, um, just from like a, a season picture standpoint, um, you know, in their first, uh, five games of the season when they were five and zero, Maryland's defense was allowing an average of thirteen point two points per game. That's pretty solid. That's 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 more than pretty solid. That's that's really good for a, for a Maryland team that's not known for defense. Now they haven't they didn't play a gauntlet of who's who. You know they played teams like Towson, Charlotte. <laughs> Right. UVA while they were UVA was like the beginning of this season was terrible. They're only just starting to pick it up a little bit. Uh, but then Michigan State and Indiana, those are two offenses that have struggled mightily. And so it's not been a gauntlet for them defensively. And then, you know, their last three games, Ohio State, Illinois, and Northwestern, while Ohio State being very good compared to the rest of their competition, Illinois and Northwestern are not good offenses at all. And the average score that they are allowing against those three teams, Ohio State, Illinois, and Northwestern, is 32.3 points per game they're giving up. Yikes. So they've collapsed defensively yeah, against wow. Ohio, Ohio State scored 37, Illinois scored 27, and Northwestern scored 33. I mean, come on. Like, who I don't know who their DC is over there. I mean, I do know who their DC is over there. Um, but and we're going to get into it. But like, <laughs> yikes. I mean, if this can, trend continues, if Penn State goes on to score 30 plus points against this this Maryland team, I mean, that, that DC is going to get uh, the can at the end of this season. Well, again, I mean, we were saying this looking at Indiana, um, like Indiana's defense is really bad. And so, therefore, this is a chance for Penn State's offense to get going. But and, look what they did you know, against Indiana's really bad rush defense. I, I, we didn't take it. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, for, it doesn't give me a lot of consolation no, to hear that not. Maryland's defense has been struggling the last few games. We gave Indiana, uh, you know, a, their defense had a game to hang their hat on by constantly styming us. And we had eight. Our, Empty offense, drives. Is, is our offense uh, Maryland's get right defensive game? I sure hope not. <laughs> like oh holy gosh. moly! Like I, is that is that realistic? Is that possible? That's what I'm saying. Like that's which of these teams is gonna you know quote unquote turn it around? You know, in terms of like the the, the, the areas of our play that are are off the rails and off track right now, which of these teams is going to put it together, um, you know, in those areas. I think, and I would say offensively, both running and passing. I mean, just nothing is clicking on offense right now outside of that last drive for Penn state. Yeah. And, and, and and Maryland's quarterback is a veteran, you know, he, his ceiling is high when, you know, what our defense has got to get back to playing the kind of defense we played. Oh yeah. If we give up, if we give up explosive plays to Talia uh, and their offense, and they've got some explosive 
playmakers in their offense. Um, we're, we could be in for a long game because, as I pointed out to you uh, this this past week, um, we're not a come from behind team. We 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 were tied like when we had to go and win the game. We're not like a, if we go down by more than two scores. I mean, look at the house they game. If we go down by more than two scores, it's going to be a struggle. I mean, even against Maryland's defense, it could be a significant struggle. Well, let's um, before we talk about you know yeah. how we're going to have yeah. to approach this game if we're going to win it. Um, I, I want to kind of end there, but um, yeah, let's let's go over some of the pieces that we're going to have to contend with from Maryland, and um, I think we should start with the offense because uh, clearly the offense is a strength of their team. Yeah. So I mean, what's interesting about this offense is they've got two offensive coordinators, two co-OCs, um, and these are people that we've absolutely heard of before. Uh, one of them used to be on Franklin's staff, Josh Gaddis. The other one, Kevin Sumlin, who used to be uh, the Texas A&M head coach, the Houston head coach, um, and he was fired uh, from, from A&M. Um, but... And Josh Gaddis was fired from you know uh, his his most recent OC stop down in Miami uh, last year. Cristobal fired him after the season, but he's familiar with our our offense. He's familiar with what Franklin wants to do. He's coached at other schools in the Big Ten. He was the Michigan OC when they went went and ran um, the table in the Big Ten, beating Ohio State in 2021, making the CFP. Uh, he was the Broyles Award winner. This guy can coach, but um, it's kind of been a disjointed offensive performance because of just, the, I think, the co-OCs that I don't know if they've, like, meshed well together necessarily, um, and, and that's why, you know, you, you're looking at um, <laughs> you know, Maryland losing games to Illinois Northwestern. So, um, he also was an OC for Saban back in 2018, um, and, and, you know, I he was our wide receivers coach, and he had a great, you know, that was back when we had um, 2016 Big Ten run. Um, and I don't know if that'll pl- play a role in how he attacks us, but you got to think he's got to have some, you know, leg up of having some inner knowledge of how Franklin operates a team. What do you think on that, Andy? I mean, it's hard to know because, it, you know, it was before Mike Yersich, you know. We're running a much different offense than we were when Josh Gaddis was there. I mean, we're Maybe still running just, read option offense, Andy. I, I, yeah, but it's a very different offense than than we were running with it's a worse Sorley. It's a worse offense. Uh, well, it's a predictable offense. <laughs> so well, maybe maybe he knows what Franklin likes to do when he gets clammed up and he makes bad decisions. Yeah, I would. And- say, that's what I was going to say. Like maybe he understands tendencies, and and that can be you know a, a or understand scout. how to exploit what Franklin's well, deficiencies are. Right. Right. Yeah. But I would say in terms of understanding the game plan or even the playbook, um, I'm not sure that he would necessarily have have any inside information. Um, but you know, in spite of their offensive coordinators, uh, plural, um, maybe being disjointed, maybe having some inside track to Penn state, um, they do have a lot of weapons that they, they can deploy against, uh, any opponent. And, um, you know, we've already talked about, uh, the, the main of the, the main one of those, which is, uh, Talia Tagovailoa. Um, this is his senior season. Um, he's a dual threat quarterback, um, not a huge 
quarterback. He's only 5'11". I mean, that's my height. So I, I always think when I hear see someone who's 5'11". He's shorter than playing, Trace McSorley. <laughs> playing quarterback. I'm like, hey, maybe that could have been me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think it goes to show that he's just an extremely special talent that, you know, without the, you know, prototypical size that you want in a quarterback these days, he's, um, you know, he's just breaking all sorts of records, not only at Maryland, but also in the Big Ten. Um, I, you were just telling me before we got on the podcast that he just passed Trace McSorley um, for eighth all time in the Big Ten career passing leader list. Yeah. Um, and he's approaching, I mean, likely by the end of the season, he he has a good chance to overtake Sean Clifford. Um, you know, so he he already has 10,000 career passing yards. Um, Sean Clifford has has 10,661. So, you know, a couple of good games and he's going to move past him. So uh, accomplished passer, um, he's he. And by the way, back in that um, 2020 COVID year, that was one of the wins that Maryland got against us. Talia was a quarterback. Um, and he threw five touchdown passes in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so he is already, you know, sliced and diced Penn state in his career. Yeah. And, and you got to think he's not coming in afraid of what Penn state might do to him. He's I looking disagree. to get another I notch on his belt. I disagree. He's coming in absolutely remembering how we slaughtered him last year. Okay. Well, that okay. Made, that's Andy, true. Last Andy, year was a he, get right. He, that was a payback were, game. We were mauling State. him that's last true. year. And this is a Manny Diaz defense. That This is going to be a get right defensive game for Manny Diaz. In my opinion, he's, you think, do you remember seeing Manny Diaz on the sidelines in the Indiana game? Remember that look? He was like, burning holes through his own players like he it was he was angry you could tell he was frustrated and and again last year do, do you remember any statistics from uh last year's game i mean i i know it's a it was a 30 to nothing shutout yep okay well so passing wise uh talia's uh qbr was 8.4 not oh 80.4, 8.4. Holy cow. He didn't throw a touchdown. He didn't also didn't throw any interceptions. But he only completed 11 of 22 passes. That's 50%. Uh, and, you know, and for how many yards? 74 total passing yards for their team and Natalia. And Yikes. and then now let's now let's go into now. I, I don't think I have the specific stat on how many sacks, but I think he was sacked like six or seven times. He had, quote-unquote, nine rushes for negative 45 yards. That's negative five yards per rush. Like, that's... Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, it was a total dismantling of Talia as an offensive threat in every single possible way. And we were getting after him nonstop. And they only had, as a team, when you factor in that negative 45, as a team, they only had 60 yards rushing. Okay. Their leading yeah. rusher, their leading rusher was Roman Hemby, who is back um, this year. He's he's certainly a, a really good running back. Uh, we held him in check, thir- thirteen carries for sixty eight yards. All right, so I mean, you really, you really hope that that's the kind of game we have against them this year, uh, because. That we, we do. We, we need to get right game on defense. We need to play tight defense. Obviously, this is a very, very potent passing attack. Um, Talia is a very accomplished quarterback. I already said, you know, he had a great game against us and, and, and won in 2020 against us. And it, 
It's interesting, you know, what's Talia's mindset going to be coming into this game, knowing last year was such an abysmal game for him, specifically against Penn State. Is that going to be in the back of his head that we can rattle him early? Or is he going to be determined, you know, not to finish his career at Maryland, being embarrassed by Penn State in his home turf? I I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what's going on because, you know, Talia... He has a lot of talent, and he also he also has made a lot of mistakes. Um, and and I think some of those mistakes cost them games in the last few weeks. And it'll be interesting to see is Tally able to bounce back, or w- are we going to be able to harry and harass him to the point where, uh, you know, he he crumbles and has a has a statistically uh, insignificant game against us. Um, I'm going to give you their drive chart from last from last year to start the game. Ready? Uh, this is this is this is their drive chart. This is this is, like this is the outcome of every drive of their game against us last year. Punt, 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 downs, punt, punt, downs, punt, punt, downs. That's how their game went. I mean, that's like that um, Iowa game this he, year. Uh, you know, yeah. I, yeah. You know, they very, very they similar. They didn't turn the ball over. Uh, they, they right. didn't, they, like that's what ha- that's what our defense did to them without getting turnovers. So I mean, I, I, I mean, I just feel like if there was the right team to get right against from a, you know, we we have a track record against Manny Diaz has a track record here now against uh, Maryland. I think I think he could dial up. You know, a similar type of game. I'm not going to call for a shutout or anything like that, but like, I think Manny Diaz, like, is the perfect guy to, to figure out how to get his defense going again. Um, and, and, and defense travels, man. And that's what we're going down to College Park. And that's going to be important for our defense to, you know, help along our struggling, our mightily struggling offense. It is a, I mean, if College Park certainly is a favorable venue for us to play, it, you know, it is not we'll been. Have, we'll have a, Half of the crowd will be ours, probably. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Something about it. It's just not a very intimidating place They're to play. They're on a three-game losing streak. You yeah. Think, you think that that crowd is going to be like rip-roaring, ready to take down the, the big, bad Nittany Lions? No. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think they're probably much more worried about this game than we are, at least from a fan base perspective. And, yeah. And, and that'd be another thing. I think, you know, we, we've talked about this before, the, the failure of Penn State to start fast. But a fast start by Penn State on offense and defense is a good way to, to take the crowd out of the game, take any sort of belief or hope for, um, you know, an upset, you know, out of the park. That'll be really, I think, um, important. And, you know, I think it, it's not a team to be taken lightly. I'm not suggesting no, a team to be taken no, lightly. No, I all. don't. Certainly I don't. Because Italian can to... certainly burn us. Roman Hemby's a, a very solid running back uh, who's having a, a, a pretty decent year so far. Um, and, and they've got some playmakers at wide receiver, namely Caden Prather, who's six foot four, two hundred and twelve pounds. Uh, I mean, he was a like one of our top uh, priorities at wide receiver transfer wise in the portal this last year and we struck out on him um which is kind of a theme about some of our you know wide receiver targets in both recruiting and in the portal uh, of late um but he's i mean that guy his 30 catches for 426 yards 14.2 average five touchdown catches on the season like we that's a mismatch for us we don't have a cornerback who can you know out jump him for the ball we're gonna need to play very sound defense uh, against this offense um you know, in general, they they've got other wide receivers that are um, 
really good too. Um, and they got two other running backs with over 230 yards rushing on the season with their number one guy uh, having 440 yards with a five-yard average and four touchdowns and a long of 40. And he even catches the ball to the backfield. He's got 221 receiving yards. They, they've got the weapons. But again, we do have the defense to hang with an explosive team like this. And and the if, Indiana if, explosive game if. is not, you're not going to see that happen game in and game out moving forward. I, we, I mean, we can't. We're not we can't. going to. You're, like that. That is a wake-up call to this defense before uh, you know a potent offensive attack like Maryland. I if think we play with the focus that we did against Ohio State, like we did against um, you know some of the other teams on our schedule. If we you know play like sharks circling at the you know sniff of blood, you know I, I think I, I think we have what it takes, and we showed it last year to um, you know to take care of this offense. You know, obviously they've got two new offensive coordinators um, who knows whether or not that they're going to be able to do something against Penn state that they weren't able to do last year. But um, you know, this is a team by the way that, you know, put up 17 points against Ohio state by the middle of the third quarter in at Ohio state, they were up 17 to 10 before Ohio state locked them down and, you know, scored 27 unanswered points. So, um, you know, Ohio State initially, and we've seen how good Ohio State's defense is. Ohio State initially had a hard time locking them down, and and we're going to have to be focused. We can't take them for granted, like you said. Um, and I think the other side of the coin is, is our offense going to be able to move the ball either whether consistently or through chunk plays against their defense? Uh, you already mentioned they, you know, all of a sudden started giving up a ton of points. I mean, more than doubling the average amount of points they've given up in the last three games. What are you seeing from a scheme or personnel standpoint from their defense that Penn State's going to need to be able to overcome in order to have a good day offensively? Well, I think what's like really going on with this Maryland team is they basically implode when the game is on the line. At least they have been in these last three losses they they have not been able to like run the ball effectively uh towards the end of the game they've been giving their opponents too many chances untimely penalties that have been costly they're just they don't seem to have the the you know the right type of players that are making big time plays at big time moments to to seal the victory. To honestly, this is a talented team. They very well should be a one loss team. The only like team that they should be have, should should have lost to at this point is Ohio State. We really should be entering this game with Maryland, uh, thinking to ourselves, "Holy crap, this is like a top twenty, top fifteen Maryland." We're going to their, you know, their home, and this this should be a tough matchup for us. Like that's what we should be thinking. If uh, if Maryland had been able to take care of business against Illinois and Northwestern, they couldn't get right against Illinois after the Ohio State loss, and then they couldn't get right against Northwestern after the Illinois loss. So here they are, you know, a three game losing streak with a superior uh, team coming in in terms of our talent level compared to theirs. Um, you know, so they're like a wounded duck. And I think, um, you know, with the way that we barely squeaked it out against, um, Indiana, I think that we can refocus going into this game, uh, and take advantage of them quite a bit, but you know, they do have playmakers on defense that may give us, um, some problems here and there. I, you know, they got a couple guys in the defensive line 
Dude, they have they have two guys in the defensive line with three sacks, a defensive end, uh, and a and a, a defensive tackle. Um, and those guys are uh, d- defensive tackle Trey Colbert. He's six foot three, three hundred and thirty pounds. He's a senior. He uh, has a forced fumble for and a uh, fumble recovery. He's a he's a difference maker in the middle there. And then defensive end Donnell Brown, six three, two fifty uh, pound junior. He's got three sacks, nineteen tackles, two interceptions from a defensive end. And we're t- you know. Flashbacks to JTT last yeah, year, totally. you know. I mean, Drew Aller's throwing balls into the the defensive lineman's arms quite a bit, uh, it seems. And and if he's careless with the ball moving forward with with this guy out there, who knows? You know that that could be a, a pivotal moment in in, in the game. Um, and dude, get this: they've got a lot of linebackers contributing to splash plays. They've got seven linebackers with at least one sack, and they have uh, four linebackers with at least two and a half sacks. So. They've got they've got some some difference makers uh, on defense that that um you know could really you know their front seven could give our run game problems. I think we will absolutely see them loading the box just like every other team has been doing to us. And I think it'll it'll be tough to see our you know our running backs shake uh, breaking free because they also have a a guy who who plays great in single coverage out there uh, defensive back Bo Braid six one two hundred ten pound senior dude's got forty seven tackles on the year. 28 solo, which means he's a great tackler. Um, five passes defended and an interception. So he's probably going to be out there on uh, Keandre Lambert Smith a lot, locking him down. And then the rest of the you know the defensive backfield can you know roam however they need to, depending on what our formation looks like. I, and I just see them playing you know load the box front against us. You know I, I just I, I'm not I'm not too certain that that we'll see a an offensive uh, get right game. But that's not to say that we can't, like, you know, have some explosive plays against them either. Um, last year, Singleton broke free um, for 11 carries and 122 yards against them and two touchdowns with a long of 45. So we've had it, we've had success against this defense before, and Singleton has had success against this defense before. I mean, even Katron Allen had 73 yards against them last year. So it's not like we can't. It's just I don't know if we will. Um, and and you know when you look at their uh, defensive uh, rankings within the conference, there it's not much to write home about, um, especially given you know their, these last three losses and how they've given up so many yards and points to kind of you know bad teams like Illinois and and Northwestern because they're they're only eighth in the conference in total defense at 340 yards uh, per game, 12th in passing defense, 12th in passing defense. So when I see that 12th in passing defense, I think to myself, okay, well, that sounds like something we can exploit. Well, I didn't see our you know run game exploit Indiana's last uh, in rush defense either. So, you know, will Yurcich be able to scheme for, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting this, passing game right against a suspect defense, a suspect passing defense. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit better in the rush rush defense department. They're fifth in the conference, allowing 109 per game. Uh, and they're, all, they're middle, middle of the pack in uh, points allowed per game. They're eighth in points allowed at 20.4. So, you know, it's not like we'll see like a total reform on offense, I think, against this team. But the opportunity should be there, right? It, it, it's, it's kind of there for us. I mean, this is the best defense uh, we've seen outside of Ohio State since Iowa. And, you know, against the poorer defenses in the conference, we've had trouble. You know, we had trouble against Northwestern. We had trouble against Illinois. We had trouble against Indiana. And what you're telling me is that this is 
at least an average defense on the whole, um, even though they're, you know, sort of, uh, not, you know, at the bottom for passing. And, Andy. and uh, so I, you know, for me, I, you know, first of all, I think, I think we got to figure out a way to get the passing offense going. I mean, throw to the tight ends, scheme your, uh, you, you know, your wide receivers open fight, you know, work, have drew work on your progression to figure out like how long to stick with your read and, and don't bail on it. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not a coach. I don't know, but it's, it is, it's alarming that we haven't been able to exploit obvious weaknesses and we haven't been able to avoid obvious strengths. I mean, I think, right. You know, back to that Illinois, Illinois game, yeah, we had Jerzon Newton and we, yeah. you know, it's like we let him wreck the game for us throughout a lot of the game. And, and so, yes, it's a, it's a concern. I think from a talent perspective, you know, Penn State across the board has, you know, a better group of players, but if you can't get those players playing effectively together, you're, you're you can't in trouble. get them motivated to yeah. play effectively together. Now, and and when it comes to you know like thinking about like getting right, man, I think both passing and rushing like we like the whole offense very inconsistent the whole offense feels broken there's only one game where we've had a a rusher over 100 yards uh, and it was allen against delaware he had 100 103 barely got over 100 against delaware and outside of that game do you realize we don't have a running back to have more than 81 yards in any game I mean, it's back like the dark days of 2021 when we weren't getting guys going. It's it's, it, it's worse because these guys have already proved it. Like, yes. you know what I mean? These and, guys and have the talent. And it was supposed to be a better offensive line, and it's absolutely regressing uh, on, on the offensive line. Obviously, there's been some, you know, uh, injuries to occur. But at this point in the season, you, those excuses shouldn't you know, carry any weight at all. Like, I think, I mean, you just, um, before going down that track too far, yeah, cause sure. we've been down a, a lot today. Yeah. Um, my question is that the motivation one, you just brought it out. What's it going to take to turn it around for this team? Um, both of these teams are coming into the game with season ambitions, ultimately resting on the result of this game. I mean, if Maryland okay. wins this game, you know, yeah, they dropped two, they shouldn't have, but they beat one of the big three and they've got, you know, a lot of opportunity ahead of them to, to you know, kind of get up to that next echelon if they beat Penn State. If, if Andy, if... On the other hand, on the other hand, I'm just, uh, if Penn State wins this game, we're one step closer to having... You know, a ten a one season. lost team. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you're you maybe you're hitting on all cinder, cylinders going into that Michigan game at home in Beaver Stadium a- with a Andy. chance to actually put it all together by the end of the season. That's a that's a fool's hope unless here here. But uh, I, what I'm saying is that what happens in this game? You know, if Penn State loses this game, God forbid, then it, who cares what happens? Do you know Michigan? how we're going to lose this game? Do you, do, do you do you know? What it's going to look like for why we lost this game? Well, I'd like to hear your perspective. Well, let's let's. Um, I'm not pre- I'm not predicting a loss, but I'm not either. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm saying if <laughs> I'm not, loses, I'm not picturing I, I a loss. I'm not how we're going to lose. I will how tell how you, will it happen? Because they're afraid to open up the the yeah. passing game. Yeah. That's that's going to be why we'll lose this game. And and to go back a couple weeks ago, um, before the Ohio State game, and what was Franklin saying? We have closed the gap 
We have closed the talent gap. Right. Guess what? Right. Your actions as a head coach from an offensive game planning standpoint, from an offensive play calling standpoint, would indicate the exact opposite, that you have not closed the gap. Because well, if you have no, no, closed I mean, the gap... Ju- no, if you have closed if- the gap... That, excuse you. <laughs> if you had closed the gap, <laughs> then you would not be afraid of throwing the ball down the field because you have playmakers that have closed the gap. Andy, our, we have two performances this year from our skill positions. Two that are, are over 100 yards. Say, uh, Allen had 103 against uh, Delaware. Delaware. And, Lam- and De- Lambert Smith had 123 against West Virginia, which was maybe the worst secondary in the country last year. So you're hanging you know, your skill position um, talent gap. You close well, and the then talent you have gap. Drew Aller. You can't, you're not even attempting to utilize your talent that you've closed the gap with right. to even stretch the field a little bit. Well, and and you know Drew Aller, who you know outside of that West Virginia game hasn't had a 300 yard passing game. So you you know you're you're definitely not um, you're not seeing guys light it up on the offensive side of the ball. They're not even trying to let them. I, th- that's a fair point, and I, and I agree with you 100 percent that that's, so act like you've closed the gap. If you're going to say you've closed the gap, how about you go out and act like it? All right? Well, you're not, it, you're not, you're, you're talking the talk and you're certainly not even remotely trying to walk the walk. What I was going to say before you cut me off for I cutting do you it off again. is, oh, I cut you off first and then you cut me off for cutting you off. But I will do it again. <laughs> what I was about to say is that you've said that the talent gap has closed and that means that the reason for the failure to show up on the field has to be attributable, attributable to the coaches not preparing yeah. their talented players to be in the best position. So, totally. you know, I, I think to it's me, irrefutable. It's irrefutable. To, you know, I, I, this is definitely on um, James Franklin and more directly on Mike Yersich to, you know, kind of quit trying to bang your head against the brick wall and, you know, do something different. You know, whatever that stuck, you know, pattern is that stuck problem you can't get out of. I mean, we saw it in 2021. We, you know, seemed to get out of it last year, but now we're back in it again. Like self scout, like we've been saying for 10 years, self scout, make a change and do what needs to be done to win the game. And again, I do think very clearly, like we're going to need to be a different kind of offense if we're going to beat Michigan. And if we can't show it against Maryland, we certainly have no hope of showing it against Michigan. I think we got to see this offense clicking in a new kind of way, whether that's on Drew, whether that's on Mike Yurcich, whether that's on Franklin or the tight ends. I don't know, but but it's going to have to take a different kind of performance. They haven't gone all all in on trying to to establish an identity of any kind. Like they they haven't said, okay, well, this is what we think we're good at, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make you stop this. They're just. Trying not to lose the game with this offensive game plan. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, but like, not only- there's no assertive like angle of this offense from any... Which, by the way, didn't we let Kirk Sharaka go for that kind of a game plan? Like, it was just like... Great just point. Just so boring. Great like, watching point. paint So dry. uninventive. So uh, so unimaginative. So like, uncreative. Great. You won at, you know, you're, you're 3.7 right, yards Andy. per carry. Like, Kirk Sharaka's offense is this offense. Like I mean, it's, it's a different the same scheme, thing. but the same approach. It's the same outcome. Yeah. Um. So 
You know. Okay. Hey, no, 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 no. Now, now we're gonna we're talking about like what's it gonna take to beat Maryland? Okay, like, uh, like, yeah. What what is it gonna take to beat Maryland? And and you know we've been like that's that's what Franklin is thinking right now. What's it gonna take to beat Maryland? But like, what's it gonna what what will what will beat Maryland is the same thing that we need to do in order to beat Michigan. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. So are you so going do to- it? So do well, it now. Yeah, but like, are they going to do anything different? Because if if they don't do anything different, we are going to put, you know, definitely, are they we're going to definitely lose to Michigan, and we very well could lose to Maryland. Are we playing for that 10-win season? I mean, Franklin talks about 1-0, but again, we didn't By see the way, anything Playing close. for a 10-win season is like, is like praising Aller for being a great check-down quarterback. Excellent point. <laughs> All right, we've made enough excellent points so far today. Um, it's time to bring in Joel so we can go by the numbers and make some more excellent points. Not by the numbers. Not by the numbers. Not by the numbers. Uh, help us, Joel Bettner. You're our only hope of getting out of this frothing mania. <laughs> Holy Star Wars reference, Batman. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Joel, what do you got for us today? Oh, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little worn down. I, I know it was, a, it was a win, but it feels like a loss, and I'm just still trying to trying to recover, trying to loosen up, trying to get to get ready for what, please, should be a dominating win this this upcoming weekend. I'm hoping, you know, that that the results of last week's by the numbers um, brings a little bit of joy to one of us. Tom was sort of starting to inch his way back up into the lead, and I'm I'm hoping I'm back on the horse today. Uh, what do you, what well, do you got for us? For well, let's start there. Let's start there. So, um, yeah, my questions were all about you know how are we going to be uh, how are we going to be starting? Um, what what improvement will we see in a possible hangover game? So, first yeah, question. None. <laughs> first question. <laughs> that was the answer. I said, "What will Aller's completion percentage be?" And I, I gave you a, uh, against against OSU. He had um, a forty two point eight percent completion percentage, which was yuck, disgusting, and yuck. he. This so he improved. He improved. He went to sixty-four point five percent for a six point eight yard average. Uh, Tom, you guessed a sixty-nine percent. Andy, <laughs> Tom, went you were 68. you were hoping you were feeling very positive about Drew Aller going into this game, bro. <laughs> I have no comment. No comment. <laughs> Andy, Andy with the with the point. Yes, I ask you: Will we have a hundred yard rusher? Because it's been a little while. Um. Both of you guys said yes, and he thought it would be Allen. Allen thought it would be Singleton. <laughs> and unfortunately, Allen only got 81 yards, and that was our leading rusher. I asked you, what will we, will we be ranked after this upcoming week? And it was the AP ranking. This was a surprise to me. We are, you both guessed we'd be ranked 10. We, we bumped up a notch. We are ranked 9th. Which yeah, it's surprised, but I, I'll take. It's an it. empty result in my I'll take mind. It, though. Yeah, we. Um, <laughs> I asked you, how many passing yards will Penn State have? We had 191 versus Ohio State. We had a paltry 210 yards versus Indiana. Now, just just to put that into some perspective, Indiana had more passing yards than we did. They had 269. They had more um, total yards than we did. Yeah. Uh, so. 
Which, by Andy, the way, in 10 less minutes, obviously explosive plays. Andy, you are the benefactor of another Tom strategy blunder. You guessed 250. <laughs> Tom guessed 251. And Andy takes home yes. the win for the week, putting him up. I'll take it. Five to two against Tom. The, the older brother just beaten up on the younger brother. This is collusion. This is you giving Andy and all the questions hey, beforehand. That's Rutgers' record right now, isn't it? <laughs> I think they're six and two now, aren't they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I asked you for the game predictions. Oh, uh, well, so the game odd. was 33 24 good guys. Andy, you also won that one at 45 to seven good guys. Tom went 52 to 10. Man, um, bro, you were, your expectations are even higher than mine. And uh, I don't even care. <laughs> 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 oh, Who cares? <laughs> All right, Tom. Now I won. To to prove I'm not colluding, let's You're let's colluding. you you get to you get the option. Do you want to answer questions first or second this week? Never. No. Um. <laughs> Do you want to start uh, answering first or second? Sure. Yeah, I don't care. Let's go. All right. Let's party. It was uh, one of the big things we wanted to see an improvement on as well. Was our first our third down conversions. Um, Man. We were just, Ugh, not I don't even great. want to say what we were against. It started Ohio bad State. again, and we got a little better as the game went on. But we but only it had real bad 38.9% third down efficiency against Indiana. 38%. Um, that's 38.9. Yeah, that's bad. What will we be third down percentage efficiency against Maryland? Tom goes no, first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seize the day. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna go fifty point one. Fifty point one. Fifty point one. Oh, this is tough, man. I, uh, I, I, I am having a hard time believing that we're gonna. I, I want to see a game where we really take control of it, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna go fifty point zero. I'm riding point zero. I'm riding the pessimist side. Yeah, yeah. I just honestly, I I honestly think like Drew is like going through you know growing pains right now, and we we his first his first uh, interception, uh, but he also redeemed himself. I th- and his team like stands behind him. He's obviously emotionally like gutted after the Ohio State win, and he had to grow up in that in Indiana game to win the game. All right. So I'm I'm on the optimism side of him becoming a bit of a field general to kind of match what he's going to be getting on the other side of the ball from Talia. Talia's like going to be a formidable quarterback I think, you know, at times against us and I think we'll need Drew Aller to rise to the occasion the rest of the season and I think it'll start with Maryland. I I hope you're right. Andy what will our yards per rush be against Indiana? Do you know what they were? It was very, very low. It was like in the three range. Yeah, 3.1 yards per rush against Indiana. Will oh. we turn it around? Will we stay the same? Will we get worse? Oh, man. And for uh. re- for reference, by the way, they are fifth in the conference in rush defense, uh, allowing 109.3 yards per game. Now, that doesn't f- factor in the yards per rush, but, you know, just gives you a little context to how decent they are at allowing yardage. You know, I, I really think 
a lot of this game is going to come down to the trenches and whether our offensive line can hold their own against their D line and how our defensive line goes up against their offensive line, which obviously last year, our defensive line really ran, you know, circles around them, but we only scored 30 points last year. And uh, that was against, that was with Sean Clifford, you know, kind of in his good Sean Clifford moments. I, I think it's going to be low. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say 3.4. 3.4. Tom, what you got? Uh, the team. We're talking about the team, right? Rush yards okay. per per rush for the team. Uh, you said 3. Point, what did you say, Andy? 3.4? That's what I said. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 3.5. <laughs> hey. You know, locked like, it in. The, the, locked for in. and by the way, Northwestern last week in a in a win over Maryland, they averaged two point five. But that oh. was with, and that was with only ninety nine yards rushing, on on forty rushing attempts. They averaged two point five per carry. All right, no. I really hope I'm wrong on 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 both I, of these answers. I, I need, <laughs> dude. Honestly, if if we don't see an explosive play in the run game against Maryland. It's definitely not going to happen against Michigan. Like this is a sophomore slumping, and I, I'm even going to throw Katron Allen into it because you know while he is the better of the two, they are both like not performing up to their own standard that yeah, they set um, last year. No argument for me. Yeah. All right. Now for this, uh, we're going short number of questions here, just because I really do want that palate cleanser. I don't want us to be focusing too much on what we need to improve, and just I, I want to enjoy the game. But sure. So only three questions this week. Now, for this last one, I went back, looked at our most significant common opponent in Ohio State. Do you guys know what the Ohio State Maryland score was? I don't remember. Yeah, it was thirty-seven seventeen. I think right. Thirty-seven oh, yeah, yeah. seventeen. And they were up seventeen to fourteen at the half, or something like that. Seventeen. So, uh, so Maryland 17, was able 13. to hang points, okay. more points than we were against Ohio State's defense. So that has me a little bit uh, intrigued. And and they were able to, to put 196 passing yards on Ohio State, um, which is roughly around the, the numbers that Aller has been throwing against lesser competition. Will Maryland have more or fewer passing yards against us than they did against Ohio State? So whose defense is going to be stouter against the Maryland passing attack, us or Ohio State? Oh. It's you, bro. Um, okay. I so the number that we got to be above or below is 195. 196. 196. Okay. I will say that they will have more passing yards. More. I'll go less. Less. And we are in for a barn burner this week with the uh, the by the numbers competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I need to win this week. Uh, I think in order to have a realistic chance of of cu- pulling ahead before the season's over, you can always do it like uh, you know our our parents did at the end, where it's like, oh, this last one's worth ten points <laughs> instead of just one. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> like just keep keep you from quitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. Both so. Games will be um, no. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, does that make me first for the uh, prediction then? Yes, it does, sir. What is your um, prediction for the score this week? 
I'm going to go 27 to 13 Penn State. Okay. Um, 13. Penn State will win 35 to 24. Ugh. Don't like that score, but I'll take Ooh. the win. I think so. My personal take on this is that Tom's Penn State score is closer, and that <clears throat> I'd go right down the middle between both of your uh, Maryland 18, scores. 18, 17. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love Penn State to to put some points up. I, I just, it's hard. I, it's on hard the to, road. To, it's hard to predict it given the way that do we look playing. past? Do we look past Maryland because of the Michigan game? That's that's kind of why I'm giving the, the 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 Maryland a chance to score. You know, some more points is like, are we taking this team I mean, as seriously I think as Indiana's the wake up call? You can't look past Maryland. You almost lost to Indiana. Like, yes, Mer- Michigan's coming, but if if you don't take care of business against Maryland, it's all it's all for nothing. I think you got to focus on really burying Maryland like you have in your I just past. think I just think the motivation problem is is going to rear its head. Um, I think I, a slow I'm start is going to rear its too. head. Being a, a, a you know the 3:30 kickoff may help us but going on the road and our 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 slow starts and our lack of motivation and lack of focus uh, it 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 does not feel like we will play sharp football in this Maryland game. I I do predict a win. I do think we will win. Um and I think we will win by more than Ten and a half points, which is the spread, but I—it's just—I'm—I am losing my faith in Franklin's ability to field a dominant team week in and week out. We're—we're—it's—we're like almost cratering from a from a effective standpoint. From we're not progressing; we are regressing. Well, defensively like said, too, by the way. Well, like I said in in the in the in the previous episode, um, you know the bright side is we've got four games left to improve. We are still in the win column, all but one game, and you know the truth is like doesn't matter how much we want to sit here and talk about it, how much we think they're going one direction or the other. You, you got to play the game, and that's why you still. Tune in, and I'm going to be tuning in, and I'm looking forward to a good Penn State win. <laughs> and I hope my prediction is closer than yours because I want a, a little, little stronger victory. But um, anyway, Joel, um, appreciate you being with us for by the numbers. Thanks as always uh, for giving us some good conversation. Yeah, boys, I will. Uh, I'll be chatting with you during the game. <laughs> looking forward yeah. to it hopefully Hoping not for frothing. less less froth this week hopefully but we'll see all right have a good one man we'll uh we'll talk to you later see you fellas all right bro well it's been hard to get on the you know i feel like in some ways it's been harder to get over the indiana win than it was the ohio state loss and that's really frustrating I mean, we're just a superior team to Indiana, uh, you know, on paper. And to to have Franklin not, you know, deliver on the talent gap has been closed statement. The 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 talk and the talk is cheap, and the walk and the walk is ha- too hard for him. Is what it feels like. And uh, I. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Well, look, we uh, we shall see what comes of it. Um, listen, that'll listen, be- listen. I, I just real quick, I just want to say <laughs> that I I am understanding that like there are teams that it's going worse for right now in the in the country. Like we're a one loss team and we're in the top ten and 
it's just so difficult to hear the the off-season hype train gets so loud and so big and and the expectations get so you know grandiose only to 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 just you know be the loser of a two-loss season yeah uh, you know or a two-game season excuse me a two-game season and you're you're seeing a team that you expected good things of, that you saw good things of in the first couple of games of the season, and they're scuffling now yeah. at the point of the season when it matters most. And that's also frustrating. Um, but season's not over. We yeah, get a Harbaugh chance to might st- still get fired. You, know, you never know. <laughs> With season's not over, we uh, still we still have a lot to play for, and st- in a lot of ways, we still have everything to play for. And so, you know, maybe the team will get it through uh, their helmets and 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 play the game that they can play that they haven't played even all, all season. And um, we'll we'll find out. Um, and we'll be uh, watching it together, and then we will be talking about it together next week at this time. But until then, bro. It always starts with I love you. And it ends with Jim Harbaugh getting fired. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I need something. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> All right. It always ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. We are. Penn State. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 